It is great to be here with you all. We're thankful that we have this opportunity to share with you and uh, share about what God is doing in the nation of Georgia and in our lives. We've been missionaries in the nation of Georgia. We were short-term missionaries for about three years, and we returned home last year. We've been home for a little over a year now and preparing to return, and we thank God. It really is a privilege to be able to serve in this way, and I know that we all participate in God's mission, and we just all participate in different ways. And we're thankful how God directs and leads each of us. And so we're just looking forward to sharing with you all about, uh, about Georgia, how he has opened doors for us. I want to talk about open doors this morning, how God leads us and he directs us, and just the, how we've seen him touch people's lives in the nation of Georgia. And we want to share with you just all about, of course, just about Georgia and the culture there, what it's like. It's very different from here in, in America. And, of course, we're exposed to a lot of different cultures here in America and want to share with you that with that as well and we have um, a little bit later on we have a, a video that we'd like to share with you as well but we wanted to first uh, Georgia in Georgia they do not speak English they speak Georgian they have their own language and we wanted to bring you a greeting in the language that we're trying to learn so we're going to do that now hello welcome to church and good morning we're the Ocasio family. My name is Juan, and this is my wife, Shirley. We have two children, two girls, Ayana and Ella. Ayana is five, and Ella is two. We're very excited this morning because we know that our Lord Jesus is with us today and every day. Amen. 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 That is uh, just a small part of the language that we're, tr- we're trying to learn, and we're not fluent yet, but we studied for a little over a year together, and it's, it's difficult. They have a lot of sounds in their language that we do not make or even attempt to make in our English. It's been a fun journey. We enjoy learning that as well, and it's our desire to really be able to learn and get to the point where we can sh- talk and share with people you know, on a deeper level, more than... We can speak in the marketplace, get around town and with our friends and some conversation and things like that. But we want to be able to talk with people on a little bit deeper level. And that's our desire. And that will be our first uh, priority when we go back to Georgia is to study. And uh, we'll, we'll do that for very intensively so that we can learn the language. But uh, as I said, Shirley and I, we were short-term missionary associates with, with the Assemblies of God for three years. That, it was a short-term assignment. And we went that route. That door opened for us. And we're so thankful. We were involved in our home church up until that point. We were volunteers and just involved in different ways in the life of our home church. But God had really given us a burden to be involved in world missions. And for myself, that goes back when I was a young guy, a young boy. I grew up, I'm from the Lidditz and Mannheim area, and that's where we live right now. So I'm a guy. I graduated from Mannheim Central High School and have lived here my whole life just outside of Lidditz. And I went to the Assembly of God Church there in Lidditz. And I can remember as a young person, God really touching my heart when missionaries would come. And just not only missionaries, but I can remember God speaking to my heart about being involved in world missions. When I would hear about what was going on around the world and how God was working in people's lives. It was when I was 16 years old when God really got a hold of my heart and I gave my life to Jesus. I can remember, I will never forget that time. It was the first time that I responded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit on my own. The Holy Spirit convicted my heart, and I responded to Him. I'm very thankful. I grew up in a Christian home. 
I, I am thankful for that, that our, my parents, you know, they took us to church. They told us and taught us about the Lord and about God's word. But each one of us, we have to make a decision to respond to the Lord and to his conviction and give our lives to him. Nobody can do that for us. And for myself, that was when I was 16 years old. And I found that at that time, this uh, desire to be involved in world missions, this burden in my heart, you know, it didn't go away. It just intensified, really, and, and it just has never left me, the desire to be involved. I had no idea how God was going to lead my life or what he was going to do. But I remember coming to the point, and for me, personally, this was a breakthrough, just coming to that point in prayer where I said, Lord, I want to know what your will is for me. I want to follow your will, whatever that may be. If that is being led to be involved in world missions, lead me, help me to do that. If it's in some other way, whatever, vocation, whatever, I just coming to that point was a breakthrough for me, saying, God, whatever it is that you want, please lead me into that. And God has been faithful to that. He hears our prayers. He does. He sees our prayers. He sees our hearts when we pray. And and he knows. And I'm thankful for all the doors that he has opened, the steps that he has taken. And, you know, during worship this morning, as we were singing the the one song, Lord, reign in me. I haven't sung that song or, or heard those words in a long time. But God, reign in me over all of my dreams, all the dreams that we have for our lives. We want God needs to be the Lord and King over that. But also, it says, in my darkest hour. And for me, I just thought of all the the times when I mess up, I have messed up, or I have failed, or I have missed it, or our shortcomings, our weaknesses, we just don't get it. We leave a trail behind us sometimes when we, over all of the things, we surrender, I surrender to God. And I'm so thankful that his promise covers all of that as well in, in my life, in my history, my past, and that for the hopes of the future, Jesus is our hope. And I'm so thankful for that. That just really touched my heart during worship this morning. I'm so thankful. So when Shirley and I, we both attended Shippensburg University. That's where we met. And I know that God led me to attend that university and, and study there. And during that time, I still wanted to be involved in world missions. But I, had, I just did not know how exactly specifically how that would play out and how God would lead my life. But when we were married, we both had that knowledge that in our hearts that God was leading us in that direction. So when it came time for us to really make that commitment and say, we're, it may take a concrete step that, you know, to make ourselves available, we were still didn't know where or how to be involved. And we began looking online, the internet, the Assemblies of God World Missions, they have a site to help, and they have listed so many opportunities around the world where people can get involved in world missions and serve. And we were trusting that God had a best for us, because we know, every one of us, we know there is need everywhere in the world. There is need everywhere. But we can't go everywhere. So we were trusting that God would lead us to where he wanted us to be. And the need in the nation of Georgia was the need that really touched our hearts. It was the need for compassion ministry. And compassion ministry is reaching out to people's physical needs, with also, but also reaching out to them with the hope of Jesus Christ and offering that hope and declaring that hope as well. And that was something we wanted to be involved in. So we inquired about going to Georgia. And the missionary that was there, he called us and talked to us all about the culture and the people and what was going on in Georgia at that time and what it was like there. And at that time, we did not say yes. We decided that we were going to keep, keep open and, and asking God to, there was something else or what his will was. We just were not sure that we should go there. And we prayed all summer long. And it was at the end of the summer then, another missionary was speaking at our church. And during that time, God began working in our hearts again. Surely first... He spoke to her that we need to consider going to Georgia and serving him there. And she said yes to the Lord at that time and acknowledged that, but she didn't say anything to me. She asked that God would speak that to my heart too, if that's really what he wanted us to do, if that was his direction. 
And that's exactly what happened. God began speaking that to my heart. And it was two weeks' time. I went after later, I went to Shirley and shared that with her. And then she shared, of course, with me what God had put in her heart. And we had peace then about going forward, that it was the nation of Georgia that we should go and we should uh, serve God and be open to going there. And so that's how we came to be in the nation of Georgia. And it was during that summertime, that's when we found out we were going to be having our first baby as well. But they were thrilled with us about that too and said, sure, bring the baby along. So that's how we came to be in Georgia. And we had, it was about a year's time after that, that before we actually got there to the country. And we had many open doors. Things did not all work out the way that we thought that they were going to. And how many times has that happened in our lives, where things just don't work out the way we thought? But we're learning, still learning, that God is sovereign over all of those things as well. He still has a plan. He still, you know, he was leading us. And I believe when we, when we submit to the Lord, when we truly ask him to lead us and guide us, and we take steps of obedience to his word, he's going to lead us. He's not going to lead us astray. He will never make a mistake in leading us. He won't. So uh, Shirley's going to come and share um, some other things and ways that we had uh, open doors and opportunities to, to be involved in Georgia. Good morning, everybody. I love worshiping and being in church, paying attention to the words that we sing. And you know, this morning as we were singing that song, Oh Happy Day, I don't think I've, I don't know, maybe I've heard it, but I've never sung it before. And uh, your name. In Georgia, less than 1% of 5 million people can sing and agree with us in the choruses that we sang this morning. Less than 1% of 5 million people declare Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And in the national city, in the capital city, the national church is about 600 people. And today was the first Sunday that they had to go to two services. Praise God. Their church is expanding. God is doing great things in Georgia. I kind of chuckled when a friend of ours told us just last week that they were going to have two services. And their service times were going to be at 11 and 3 o'clock because they just had too many people and it was so crowded. And I thought, I bet you people are going to go to both services, though. Because they don't want to miss anything that God's going to do. They are passionate people, and they are hungry for more of God. And it is a privilege to serve and to work with them. In Georgia, the national religion is Georgian Orthodoxy. Now, Georgia was a former Soviet Union country. It was under Soviet communism for 70 years. The church was underground for 70 years. And right now, there is a season of openness. God is really opening the door. You know, in the Georgian Orthodox churches, when you enter in... You see icons on the walls and candles being lit. People are kissing the icons and lighting candles and talking to the priest. And there is a literal holy of holies in the front of the church, much like the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, that is what the Georgian Orthodox believers live under today. And there is a holy of holies where only the priest can enter and pray to God. A Georgian person is happy for us as Westerners to pray with them, but they cannot pray to God on their own. That is something that only the priest can do. They're not encouraged to read the Bible. That's something only the priest could understand. So a a woman, a friend of ours, her language teacher is in her 50s. And during the language lesson, they were reading the book of Genesis. And she is 50-some years old, and it was the first time she heard the creation story. So there is a big need in Georgia. It's just exciting to work there with the believers in the national church there and to partner with them. Juan said that we were interested in Georgia because of the compassion ministry job that was open. Only when we got to Georgia, that door was no longer open. The government had changed some things, and so we were praying and depending on God 
for where he wanted us to go. Through my life, God has used a verse that I cling to often. It's Isaiah 26.3. He says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. When I graduated Shippensburg University, God led me in an amazing way to serve in the Middle East for two years where I taught missionary kids. I was raised Catholic. I became a Christian when I was in high school through the ministry of campus life or kind of like young life, if you're familiar with that. And so I never knew anything about world missions, never had a desire to be involved in missions. But it was my junior year at Shippensburg that God challenged me to serve him with a year of my life. He said, give me one year, and after that year, you can come home and be a different teacher. That was my major, was elementary education. And you know, it was while I was in Jordan that I saw missions happen for the first time. I saw families serving God together. And God confirmed in my heart that that's what he wanted me to do as well. And so just relying on this verse in Isaiah, we go through times that maybe seem a little unrealistic to the world, or they may, some people think that you're crazy for depending on God for something that doesn't seem like it's going to work out. When we're trying to make decisions, we can rely on God's peace. God's peace will guide us in making decisions. And so when we got to Georgia and the job that we thought we were going to do was no longer available, We were relying on God's peace and assurance that this is where he asked us to be. And we had the opportunity to teach English to some young people. We both had a class for over a year, and that was a great opportunity for us to learn the culture and the language ourselves and to build some friendships. And God also opened the door for discipleship ministry. As I said, the church being underground for 70 years, most people our age didn't grow up in Sunday school. Under communism, no one under 18 was even allowed to go to church. And so many people who are our age didn't grow up reading the Bible and hearing the stories in the Bible. And so God started showing me some single women who were really hungry for God to do something in their lives, but they have so much pressure from society and culture to be married that they look outside of the church to be married. As I said, Capital City, the national church, is about 600 people, and most of them are women. So most of these girls, young people, have the example their mom is a believer, their dad isn't. And that's just what they expect for their life as well. And so as we started meeting together and just going through the scripture, what do we do when we're single? Is it a curse to be single? What are we supposed to do in this country when everybody says we need to be married? You're 22 and still single in Georgia. Your chances of becoming married are very slim. The older you get, the less likely you'll marry. Girls tend to marry very young. But we know that God does not see our lives as a waste, even if we're single. God wants to use us in singleness. And so uh, just talking to the girls, using scripture, uh, just encouraging them. You know, their favorite verse was um, where it says that your husband is to love you as Christ loves the church. They said, really? You mean he's supposed to be faithful? And then they thought about it and they said, well, how can he love me like Jesus does if he doesn't know Jesus? Expectations started changing. I thought, maybe I should wait for what God has for me. Maybe God does want me to have a godly spouse and someone who will love me and cherish me and someone who will raise our children together in the church. And there was one girl, her name was Natia, and we had the privilege of attending her wedding before we left Georgia. And she said, you know, Shirley, I always thought my life was going to be like my mom's. I would marry a non-believer, husband would maybe be an alcoholic or just, just cause problems and not support me in church. She said, but now I know that God wants me to have a godly family, and I'm going to wait for what God has for me. And like I said, we attended her wedding before we left Georgia, and uh, she married a believer. They just had their first baby. 
One other young girl in our study has since been married to a believer. We're just really excited. Georgia, it is really strategic in Georgia right now with the open doors. And to have young families committed to raising their children in the church, to hang together for their country and expecting God to do great things, there's no telling what God's going to do. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. God, would you thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to know you, that we can know you, and that you have freely given to us your word, your power, your salvation, your gift of love. Thank you, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that we would just continue to have an open heart, that we would have a, a heart and a humble spirit, Lord, this morning before you, to invite you in, to hear from you, Lord God. We need you in our lives. You know where each one of us has come from and our past and what's going on in our lives right now. We thank you for your great grace and your mercy and your love. I pray that we are just, again, assured and overcome by your love, your great love for us. Thank you, Lord. Minister in our lives, Lord, and minister through us to other people, Lord. Continue your work in our lives and bring us to a point, Lord God, where we are built up in you, where we know your power, we know your authority in our lives, and we know who we are in Christ so that we can be an effective and a productive witness for you, Lord. We can be a great light, Lord, in whatever sphere of influence that we have. We need you, Lord God. We thank you so much. Invite you here and ask you to move in our lives. Speak to our hearts, Lord, this morning. We give you our attention. We give you our heart. And we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. We do praise God for what he's doing in Georgia. It's his work. It's God's work, and each one of us, we get to be a part of that here on earth. God is doing good things. The young people in Georgia, the youth ministry, it's very exciting to see what's happening with them. Uh, They are growing. They have a wonderful discipleship ministry in Georgia, and each year they have an evangelistic camp. They have summer camp each year, the the young people. And um, this is an age group from like maybe 15 years old to 30 years old. All of these young people get together, and uh, each year... It's a wonderful time. It's very evangelistic. They invite their friends. And just this past summer, of course, we were here, but we heard the report of last year, actually, that there were over 70 young people that became believers. They were baptized in water during the summer camp, and there were over 60 of them that were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we think it's wonderful to hear what God is doing among the young people because they are the future. They are the future of the church. They are the future in society, and we praise God for that. I want to read a few verses um, of Scripture. I'm going to read from Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians in the fourth chapter. And as I said, I wanted to share, as I continue sharing um, some experiences from Georgia, just to talk about open doors in our lives. And I'm going to read uh, Colossians 4, starting in verse 2, just a few verses here. This is what Paul wrote. He said, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We look back over our time in Georgia. This is our prayer and our desire, that God would open doors for his message, for his truth to go out to people that they have a God consciousness in Georgia. Georgia is one of the oldest Christian nations in the world. But they need a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, just as each one of us does. 
They need revelation of who Jesus is. And we pray that there would be open doors. As we shared, by the time we got to Georgia, we had hoped to be involved in this compassion ministry, but those doors had closed. And God opened other doors, as Shirley was sharing, for us to be involved and for us to learn the culture and the language. And it was wonderful to build relationships. But then something happened in the country that really opened these doors wide open again. And the circumstance was war. There was war between Georgia and Russia. This was August of 2008. So that was almost two years ago now. Uh, it's weird to think that was almost two years ago already. But uh, at this time, the fighting and the war only lasted for about a week or so. We were in Georgia at that time. But there were over 100,000 people that were displaced from their homes. They had to flee. Most people fled on foot. And some people left to their village being bombed behind them. They jumped in cars and buses, and they came to the capital city, Tbilisi. That's where we live and that surrounding area. Over 100,000 people. We were asked by our leadership to evacuate during the actual war. We left and went to Armenia for 12 days, and then we returned to to Tbilisi. And during that time, we were praying and asking God, how did he want us to go forward? Because it was very clear all of a sudden how, what we were to do to begin reaching out and helping people that were, it was an emergency situation in the country. People needed just the basics. They needed food. Some people needed, well, they needed a place to stay. They began filling up the public school buildings and abandoned buildings, abandoned hospitals and things like that, places that really weren't fit for people to live in. But that's the only place they could go. And they needed bedding and pots and pans and silverware, something to eat off of, cups, you know, diapers for the babies. People of all ages were affected by this and had to flee their homes. And still today, there's maybe thousands of people that really have no hope of ever being able to go back to the village or the area where they came from. Some people were able to eventually go back to their home and rebuild it and live there again. But for many, there's somebody else living in their home, living and farming their land has taken over all of their possessions, and they can never go back there. At least we don't see that in the foreseeable future, that they'll have that opportunity. This is the kind of situation at the time in Georgia, and we knew that we needed to begin reaching out. And so we were asking the Holy Spirit to help us. We needed to learn from scratch, and we were praying for these open doors. Paul traveled on these missionary journeys with a group of people, and he was confident that God was opening doors and closing doors and guiding their ministry in this way. We can read about that at least on one occasion in the book of Acts where uh, they were planning on their missionary journey to go in one direction and the Bible says God's Spirit kept them from going in that way and then sometime later through a vision or a dream invited them to go in a different way. And we can read about this. Paul was confident that God was leading, that Jesus was leading their work and their ministry through these open doors and closed doors. And I believe that a closed door is every bit as much of a blessing as an open door if God is the one that is closing those doors for us and leading and guiding us that way. The fruitfulness of our lives and of our witness for Christ also depends on God opening doors and leading us and showing us where he wants us to be involved and where he wants us to work. And I believe we can have that same kind of confidence that God still works in that way today and he will lead and guide and direct us. And uh, as I said, as we look back in hindsight over Georgia, we can see many, several examples of how God was leading our missionary team, uh, especially during this time of the war. And uh, I want to just share a few, a few examples. As we were involved in this and handing out food and the, all the different supplies that we were doing, we were hoping and praying that we wanted to let people know that they weren't forgotten that God still sees where they are and what has happened to them, and that they are not forgotten. And part of that expression, you know, we were not the only group 
that was helping. There were many organizations, many people, many countries that were helping Georgia at that time during that time of need. And, you know, that's an expression of God's care and concern for people as well. And we wanted to let people know that they weren't forgotten. And we saw that God began opening doors for our team, and he was building a testimony for his glory. Even th- I mean, how many times have we heard that out of something bad that happens, God can still work good? And yet another example, another testimony to that. One of the first things that happened was there was a, at this tent city that you saw, we were able to have a personal meeting with the Minister of Refugees. He's a Parliament member, and he was overseeing all of this work all of, uh, during this emergency time. He was overseeing it. To have a personal meeting with him was very valuable, and we see that now as such, such an open door. He took us personally around to some of these tents to meet some of the people. We told him what we wanted to do, just bring supplies and be a blessing that way, just start there. You see, he knew who we were. He knew that we were Western evangelical Christians. And Georgia is an Orthodox nation, has been very closed to any group that is not Orthodox. But he still gave us an open door. He said, yes, you can come back and do what what we had planned to do. And we asked the people what it was that they needed most. And we wanted to buy those things and bring them back. And one other thing he said, which may not seem like a big deal, he said we could distribute the things on our own. Like when we come back, we could go and and give the things to the people on our own. That was a very significant detail because we found out that the normal procedure was that you would bring things to, like this tent city, just drop them off, and then the camp workers would distribute them as they are needed. Well, we found out, some people told us that sometimes they saw supplies coming in, but they were never receiving those supplies. Which, of course, yes, it's very sad, especially during a time like this, that that stuff, that still happens. So for him to say we could be in charge of that, was a great open door. People really appreciated that we were fair in how we, we, every tent, every family, the same thing. And we stopped at every tent. There were over 2,000 people living there, 250 tents. And we didn't meet every single person, but we met somebody from each tent at least. And they told us they really appreciated that. And we took all kinds of different supplies. They really appreciated the fact that we asked them what it was that they needed the most in the first place, and we brought those things. And we wouldn't have had that opportunity if he wouldn't have taken us, this parliament member wouldn't have taken us in person and walked around with us. Just open doors. And we found out from other groups that they just, those doors were completely closed to them. They did not have that opportunity. So we praise God for that, that he was opening those doors and leading and, and directing us as we were asking him to show us the way because we had really no idea what we were doing and how to reach out during a time like this. We had never experienced war before our family you know we had never been in this kind of a situation but uh, God is faithful and so we were there were about four places that we would continually go back to as often as we could we could not go everywhere but we went where we had opportunity one other place was at a school building I said people were staying in the public schools and the Georgian believers you saw in the video the Georgian uh, believers the Georgian Christians as well they began helping every way that they could as well and we would work together every chance that we could Because we partner with them. We want them to be out there and to be uh, exposed. And on one occasion, the Georgian believers, they have cell groups, house churches, all over the city. This one school building was right beside the apartment building where they have their cell group. So we would go together to the school building to these people with some of the leaders and some of the people from the cell group. And we would reach out together. We would introduce each other. And it was very good. Because they lived in the building right next door, they could continue going back every single day. And then we would come back as we had opportunity as well, and we would work together. There were, we found out, it was from August until Christmas time that we were involved in this work. 
And there were three new groups of believers that began out of this compassion ministry work. And we praise God for that. It's the Georgian believers, the leaders, they are now leading these new groups. And God deserves glory for that. That out of something like this, he was still calling people and drawing them. That they knew that they were not forgotten. They found faith in the Lord, in Jesus. And we praise God for that. And they're now meeting just like we are. You know, they're not meeting in a church building, but they're meeting for prayer and worship and discipleship and growing in their faith. And maybe one time, one day, they will have the opportunity to go back to the area where they came from. And they can take their faith in Christ with them. We praise God for continuing to work in people's lives during that time. We had really, like I said, no idea what we were doing, but God was faithful. And he helped us and he led us and gave us these open doors. We were praying. You know, our prayer also in Georgia is that we would be very clear. Because Georgia is an Orthodox nation, they know, you know about Jesus and Mary. Of course, the saints are very important there. Icons are on the wall. They kiss the icons on the wall. They light a candle for the forgiveness of their sins. They do things, but they need a revelation of Jesus. And we need to be very clear in our message of who we are and what we believe in God's word. And we're so thankful that there is, as Shirley mentioned, a season of openness right now in Georgia. And there are some things that are very important, and we ask you to pray. I know in our newsletter, I saw our newsletter out there. We're so thankful that you uh, printed that off for people to pray. The first thing on our newsletter is a stadium outreach. During this time of openness in Georgia, the Georgian believers are renting a 10,000-seat stadium to hold evangelistic meetings. And this is the first time something like that has ever been able to happen in the country before. Because you can't do something like that in secret. You have to have the civil authorities and the government to, just for the logistics of something like that. And it's the first time that the government has given permission to a group that is not orthodox. So it really is a historic event. And we're very excited. It's going to be in mid-July, so just a few weeks from now is when it will be over about three or four days' time. So as exciting as that is, we also know that there is spiritual warfare involved in that. The enemy does not want something like that to happen. For many people, it's going to be the first time that they hear a clear and full message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we know God is working on hearts, and he's preparing, and they're going to publicize this all over, all over the country, really, to try and bring people and build a stadium so that they can hear the message. And so we ask you to pray for that outreach in mid-July, first of its kind, that God would give victory. I believe with all my heart, even persecution that comes, and Georgians, they have known persecution before. Persecution that comes, things that we consider bad, you know, that uh, happen to the church because of their faith in Christ. We know that they can't lose. When they step out in faith and they follow obedience to God's word, even when things happen, when persecution comes, they can't lose. We are the church, and we stand with them. In some way, we are connected all around the world, the church of Jesus Christ. And the church cannot lose. So we are excited, and we maintain that, and just continue to pray in faith that God is going to do good things through this time. And look forward to being able to give a report about what has happened. I wish we could be in Georgia during this time to be with our brothers and sisters there. And, but we are praying, and I know that we are connected through that. Another thing that is happening uh, in Georgia is they are getting ready to translate the Fire Bible. I don't know if you're familiar with the Fire Bible or not. It has been translated into many languages around the world already, and they're going to translate that into Georgian. The Georgians do have a translation of the Bible already. We have one on our table in the back, but it is uh, you know, old language. I think that it's not contemporary language. Well, this will be a contemporary language version of Scripture for people to have, and we're so excited. That's going to take a few years to be completed. 
but we want to be involved. One of the ways that we want to be involved when we go back to Georgia is through distributing the Book of Hope. And are you familiar with the Book of Hope? Book of Hope, it is scripture. It's geared towards children and young people. And it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the first two chapters of Acts combined together in one story, the life and teachings of Jesus and the first two chapters of Acts. We are excited. That ministry was in Georgia before, and it stopped, just fizzled out and stopped for various reasons. And we want to see that continue and be a part of that, to introduce people to God's Word. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord stands forever. God's Word has transformed my life and continues to, and many of in your lives as well. We want to introduce people to God's Word and let them read God's Word and let it change their lives and convict their heart as well and assure them of the answer, Jesus Christ. So those are some of the ways during this time of openness that we hope to be involved in some of the things that are going on in Georgia. And uh, we need your prayers. And we, we invite you and ask you please to pray for our family and uh, pray for the nation of Georgia during this time. That the church would be planted where it doesn't yet exist. There's still places in Georgia, even though it's just a small country, where, as far as we know, there has never been an evangelical witness. Never been a church we want to see the church planted in new areas, and we want to partner with our Georgian brothers and sisters to work alongside them and work with them to see that. And this Book of Hope ministry, that is one way where we might have access into communities and uh, little villages and towns uh, that we had never been to before. So we ask you to pray for us, and we hope to finish this season of our, we're itinerating right now, hoping to return to Georgia by the end of this year and to finish our itineration maybe by the end of October. We're raising all of the funds and, and monthly support and cash funds that we need for a three-year time period. That's how long we'll be there when we return. And praise God, we're uh, just over 60% now. We th- we're so thankful for that. God has been faithful and he has been helping us. But, uh, of course, we still need that uh, almost 40% yet before we are able to return. So we, we still need individuals and churches who will uh, support and pray for us and commit to that. And we're thankful for God-touching hearts. So please be in prayer for us as well. And when you pray for missionaries, just any missionaries in general, and when you pray for our family, please pray that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and that we are led by the Holy Spirit because we need Him to open doors for us. We're praying and trusting that He is going to do that for us and for the church in Georgia, for the believers. Just one other thought as well. That's not only relevant for us as missionaries, each one of us. And as we close, uh, we're going to have a close in a time of prayer together right now. And I want to lift up the nation of Georgia together. If you would agree with me in prayer for the people of Georgia during this time, that God will be building them up and unifying them in his spirit, and he will open doors for them. That the gospel can be preached to people who they need to hear. But also then to pray that in each of our lives, whatever sphere of influence we have, whether we're uh, in school or work or whatever we do from week to week, that God would open doors for us to be a witness, and to share with people the hope that we have, that God will continue His work in our lives. So I want to close by, by praying in those ways, and I invite you, please, to respond to the Lord, to open your heart to Him, to ask Him, and to let Him pray through you. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you as well, and agree together. So we could bow and pray. God, we praise You for what You're doing all around the world, right here in Lancaster County, in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces. God, You are at work. I believe it with all of my heart. I pray that you open our eyes to see, to see the need and how you are at work right here where we are, and to see the need and how you are at work in other countries like the nation of Georgia. 
Lord, we lift up Georgia to you and ask that you would bless the people there, your church there, the believers that are there, that you would help them, God, to be unified by your spirit and that you would show them the way to go. There are many things that are going on right now and I pray that the church would continue to pray and move forward in prayer and that you would open doors. You see many people that have yet to come to hear your message, to accept it, and be saved. I pray, Lord, that you break down strongholds, that you open the right doors, that you give the right contacts and establish relationships so that your word can be preached, that your word will go out, that you will call, continue to call people to serve you and to serve others. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We pray for souls to be convicted, souls to be touched, for healing emotionally, healing physically, healing in so many different ways that people need. It comes from you, Jesus. You alone, your name alone has the power to save. And we praise you, Lord, and for what you're going to do in Georgia and what you're doing now. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Send us where you want us to go. And help us, Lord, to follow in obedience, full of faith and assurance, using and being used in the giftings that you have given us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God. I pray for each one here in whatever sphere of influence they have on a day-to-day, a weekly basis. God, that you would continue convicting our hearts of your truth, giving us a hunger for your word, and helping us to humbly come before you, Lord, offering all that we are. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Open doors for us as well, and show us where you want us to work, how we're involved right here through this church and in this community and in other places. Show us, Lord God, and we give you the glory and the honor for all the things that you are doing and that you're going to do. We need your help. We need you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this time this morning that we've had to meet together, to worship together, to pray together. And I pray that our hearts are encouraged, that our spirits are encouraged and refreshed as well as we continue throughout this day. Lord, just to focus on you, to forget about other things and spend time just focusing on you and asking for your help and believing and expecting that you're going to do that. pray that you bless each one, Lord. We give you all the thanks and the glory. And it's in your name that we ask, Lord Jesus. Amen.